Hey, what's up? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about what was said versus what was heard. And I am streaming today on my private, or not my private, but my personal profile just to see what will happen and, and what Facebook will do with it. And uh, we're going to see if we get any any watchers and access to an audience that we wouldn't normally have access to. Now, I do have a Cogitations Facebook page that I would love for you to go over and like. It's a business page. I doubt I'll be streaming on my personal profile very much. Uh, this is just me feeling the waters or feeling the things out, testing the waters. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. So thank you so much for tuning in. Share the live stream and um, share the podcast. Subscribe, in fact, to um, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and you will you'll be able to, to uh, help us grow our podcast audience. Good to, good to see you, Katie Smith. And we've got four people in the live stream. I think that's pretty good for just a, just an, well, not really impromptu. I had planned to do this, but as far as Facebook's algorithm is concerned, this is impromptu. I didn't do any promotion beforehand or anything like that. So let's get into the podcast. What was said versus what was heard. Let me read you this comment. It's a wonderful comment from a longtime listener. And this is not an antagonistic content uh, comment, rather. This is supportive. And I love getting comments like this because, A, it gives me very valuable feedback. Two, it validates that what we are doing is actually beneficial to somebody. And three, it inspires more content that would be beneficial to people. So let's get into it. I believe it was around December of 2021 when Tony did a couple of podcasts on whether celebrating Jesus' birthday on Christmas was authorized. Initially, I was upset because I thought Tony was saying we could have a celebratory worship service adding secular and denominational traditions. I finally understood that he wasn't condoning this or changing God's instructions for the worship service. Perhaps this needs to be emphasized better. I know it was quickly mentioned that what they're saying, Aaron Dotson and myself, uh, doesn't mean that they say having a Christmas cantata is okay. And we... We actually did say that in the podcast, and but she's right. I, we we kind of glassed over it because that wasn't the that wasn't the purpose of the Christianity Now podcast. So I do want to talk about what was said versus what was heard as a general concept. Any time a student sits in the room of a teacher, then the teacher is teaching something. It is by nature an antagonistic, or not an antagonistic, and an oppositional relationship that the, there's there's a gap that needs to be bridged between uh, what the teacher is teaching and the knowledge level of the student. There, there should be a large gap if the teacher's worth his salt. And what happens is these walls of cognitive dissonance, selective perception, and selective exposure kind of go up. And the challenge 
is to be able to pierce through those walls. And the onus of piercing through those walls is on the teacher and somewhat on the student. The student needs to have a mindset, in other words, needs to be open to the learning and trust the teacher. And the teacher needs to be speaking in such a way that what he or she is teaching is clearly understood. And they don't need to be convoluted and they need to have their thoughts organized. Now, I will give this caveat. This is maybe a confession somewhat, but the Cogitations podcast and the Christianity Now podcast, the format there is for the purpose of our listeners being able to hear somebody speak through a a problem or a question or a conundrum and order chaotic thoughts in their mind. So sometimes whenever you listen to a Cogitations podcast, you are hearing me in real time order my thoughts and try to produce something coherent from these chaotic thoughts that are in my mind. It's really fun for me. And over the years, I've gotten enough positive feedback that this is going to be the format of the Cogitations podcast going forward. And then with the Christianity Now podcast, you see Aaron Dotson and myself, we come together, we watch some videos that I've swiped off of TikTok or some other places, and we look at some biblical truths through the lens of what's happening in those videos. And he's never seen those videos. The first time he sees them is, is on the show. And I've seen them, but I purposefully try not to give too much thought to them so you can see us in real time kind of come together and order what we think and what we want to teach. And again, we have been given enough positive feedback that that's going to continue to be the uh, platform, the, the, the way the podcast is going to go forward. Uh, but I did want to talk about this, what was said versus what was heard. And this beautiful comment that was been given, it, it lets you in that sometimes when you hear something, you don't initially agree or you have a knee-jerk reaction to disagree. And it might be because what you are hearing is not actually what was being said. For instance, uh, Aaron Dotson and myself, we talk about, you know, if, if I can, if I on January or if I on July the 26th, can get together with my brothers and sisters in Christ on a Sunday, and I can preach a sermon about the birth of Jesus. The song leader can sing songs all about the birth of Jesus, and the uh, the prayer, the man that leads the prayer, uh, thanks God and for the birth of Jesus. And there shouldn't be anybody that would have a problem with that. If I can do it on the 26th of July, I can do it on December 25th. And the point that we're making is all too often that in our Lord's churches, in in the church that Jesus built, the members of it, it's almost like you can't talk about Jesus' birth after Thanksgiving and before January of the next year. And Aaron and I just kind of point out the absurdity of that. Now, if you have a strong opinion, opinion is not the right word, If you have a strong conviction about these man-made holidays, the the walls of cognitive dissonance and selective perception and selective exposure, and I can't spend a lot of time explaining those, Google those terms. Cognitive dissonance, selective perception, selective exposure. Those walls go up 
And what you hear and take away from what is being said is not really what's being said. And and this good sister, uh, she, you know, listen to what she said. Uh, I initially, or initially I was upset because I thought Tony was saying we could have a celebratory worship service adding secular and, de- and denominational traditions. And of course, nobody says that. And nobody said that. And she knows that. And it's wonderful. I'm so thankful for this. Uh, I'm so thankful for this this comment. Now, we need to understand that this this is a phenomenon that is ubiquitous to humanity. Everybody deals with this, including myself. And it got me to thinking, is there other instances where uh, I've taught something and what was what I said is not what was heard? And is there instances where I heard something and I did not interpret it correctly? I didn't, I kind of come up short on the latter of those two, but I did, when I was teaching something, uh, I, I can think of a couple of instances where, besides the Christmas stuff, of whenever I taught something and what I said is not what was being heard. And it actually caused some small amount of drama. In fact, maybe no small amount of drama. So, for instance, let's go to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, and let's look at check, and check this out. We're going to read a section of Scripture, and I'm going to ask a question. Uh, chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 8. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let women learn in silence and with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. All right, so let me ask a question. Can, is there ever an instance where a woman can stand before a congregation and teach an assembly that has both grown men and grown women attending. I asked that question to a congregation, and some of the members, for lack of a better word, went nuts because they were like, no, that never can happen. I said, well, the answer is yes. And they're like, no, that, that could never happen. You're, you're a false teacher. Because you're, you're saying that a woman can teach a mixed assembly where Christian men and women are present. Do you see what happened there? Remember the question that was asked? Is there ever a scenario where a woman can stand before a congregation and teach when there are grown men and grown women present? Well, the answer is yes, there is a scenario, and I am not teaching that a woman can teach nor usurp authority over a man. Let me give you the scenario. If there is a congregation of women, and there are no male Christians, no Christians who are men, that, that the woman ha- women have to preach, they have to teach, they have to lead prayer, they have to wait on the Lord's table, all of that good stuff. They have to lead singing. What if it were the case that one of the women brought her unbelieving husband 
and the unbelieving husband was sitting in the auditorium. Can the woman get up and preach? Can the woman get up and lead singing? Well, the answer is yes. So now we have a scenario where grown men and grown women both are in the auditorium during the worship service, and a woman is preaching, a woman is teaching, a woman is leading prayer, a woman is leading singing. And of course, even once I clarified, the cognitive dissonance was so strong, the selective perception and selective exposure was so strong that I still had a few people telling me I was a false teacher. And my response is, well, what is the prerequisite for teaching? You have to be, it's every place, the, King, the New King James says everywhere. Um, I wish they hadn't have put that word. I rather like what the King James does with that. It's every space. Let me make sure I'm telling you correctly. I'm just going to pull about my King James. Because the American Standard 1901 renders it differently than the King James. And I like the King, I like the ASV 1901 better, but the King James is perfectly adequate. All right, first Timothy 2 8. I will therefore that men pray every space where. That space really needs to be in there. Now the American Standard 1901 says every space place. And the Greek word is topos. It, it's, a, it's, an, it's an area that people are gathered. So everywhere the church is gathered as the church. Men have to teach. Men have to preach. Men have to pray. It's the man that gets up. But is that really what the Bible says and only what the Bible says? No, listen to, listen to what it says. Men pray everywhere. How do they do it? By lifting holy hands without wrath and doubting. So there's actually two prerequisites on who is allowed to get up before the congregation. Men and holy hands. What if? There are no men with holy hands. Can a man who doesn't have holy hands get up and lead? God forbid. Why is that? Because of the necessary inference, and I know that's a naughty word amongst higher textual critics and these academics, these new age academics, these postmodern academics, if you'll allow me to be so bold. Go to verse 12. Listen to this, and we're going to pull some, you have to necessarily infer then. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. What that means is the two prerequisites. If men and women are gathered together as the church, it's the man with holy hands that has to get up and do things. But if there is no man with holy hands, it's got to be a woman with holy hands because somebody has to get up and do this. And if there are no men that meet the criteria, then these passages don't apply. So it can be a woman with holy hands, because in lieu of a, in lieu of a man with holy hands, you've got to have a you got to have somebody with holy hands. And again, what was said versus what was heard. Very interesting. This. Very interesting. Now, let's go to Acts chapter two. Here's the next one. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, everybody knows the verse. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And whenever I teach about the Holy Spirit and I talk about the role that the Comforter played in the history and foundation, the, the, the fledgling years of the foundation of the church, I make this point. The Holy Spirit is not our comforter. And somebody always hears, well, you're saying we don't have the Holy Spirit. You're saying that the Holy Spirit's impotent. You're saying that, like, no, I'm not saying anything of the kind. Also, they're saying, well, you're saying we have no comforter. I'm not saying that. What was heard there is different than what was said. John 14, 26. Well, let's, let's just go read it. John 14, 26. Incidentally, comments. Let me get some comments. Um, Katie Smith says, I listened to the, Christ, to the last Christianity Now yesterday, and it was very interested Interesting. I gleaned much from it. Thank you so much, Katie. Deborah O'Neill says, I just listened to a podcast where she said, think with your ears, meaning listen to what the other person is saying before you speak. Amen. And sometimes we're thinking too fast that we miss what's being said. You've got it. And Bridget Dreschner, thank you so much for tuning in. She says, thank you so much for this content. Well, I appreciate that. Now, John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, let's, let's in, lieu, in lieu of this idea of the Holy Spirit being our comforter, think about this. If he's our comforter, in this context, what did Jesus say he was going to do, the Holy Spirit? Well, listen to it. He will teach you all things. Okay, so if the Holy Spirit is my comforter, then he's going to teach me all things. I've got no problem with that. I'm good with that, all right? That can be done through the Word, so that's not even miraculous, all right? Well, let's keep going. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now we have a problem. If the Holy Spirit is my comforter and I receive the comforter, according to Jesus, he's going to bring all things that Jesus ever said into my remembrance. Folks, Jesus never said anything unto me. And you can't say, well, he's going to do it through the word. There's just one problem. Let's go to the end of the book of John. Verse 25 of John 21, and there also were many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Now, I know that's talking about what Jesus did, but if there are many other things that Jesus did, so much so that the world would not be able to contain the books, if they were written one by one? Do you think that we have an account of every single thing Jesus said? Do you think we have a, an account of every single thing Jesus ever said to the apostles? Because that's the audience. 
of Jesus' words in John chapter 14. You see, Jesus has never said anything unto me. Therefore, if the Comforter is come to me, then the Comforter is unable to teach me and bring to my remembrance anything whatsoever because Jesus never taught me anything and Jesus never told me anything. So now who is making the Holy Spirit impotent? But the problem is when you start talking about this and you start identifying who the comforter actually is, people say, well, you're saying the Holy Spirit doesn't work today. You're saying we don't have the Holy Spirit. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I said is the Holy Spirit is not our comforter. We do have a comforter. 1 John chapter 2. Little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is a propitiation for our sin, but not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. The word used there, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That word advocate is parakletos, the same word that is used of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our comforter. It's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the apostles' comforter. And the reason the apostles received the comforter of the Holy Spirit He was another comforter in the same way that Jesus was a comforter to them. Well, Jesus is not even a comforter to them, to us, the same way he was to them. We can't do any miracles. We can't go and sit at Jesus' feet and tell him our problems and hear a response to our words directly. But Jesus still is our comforter or our advocate. But yet when I teach about this, when anybody teaches about this, because of cognitive dissonance, selective perception, and selective exposure, what is heard is, well, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit. You don't think we have the Holy Spirit today. You don't believe the Holy Spirit is with us today. Or you think the Holy Spirit is dormant and impotent. And... Most of the time when I start teaching about this and how the Holy Spirit works and how the Holy Spirit, and this would be a third time that people hear something different than what's being said, I say the Holy Spirit only works on the hearts and minds of men through the Word. And then what they hear is the Holy Spirit only works through the Word. That is an absolute misrepresentation of something that I teach. I do not believe one iota that the Holy Spirit only works through the Word. I believe the Holy Spirit works in ways we cannot imagine, and He works in, would it be tandem if there's three? Anyway, He works in partnership, in perfect harmony with God the Father, God the Son, and Himself. He, He works, those three work in the world, separate and apart from the Bible. 
Not in a supernatural way, though. And I know that's that's the, that's a can of worms to open up right at the end of the podcast, but but the point is, it's very important to make that distinction. You see, God is not going to affect a man's heart outside the gospel of Jesus Christ, outside of what's written in this book, in order to get him to come to the gospel. Because A, that would take away his free agency, and B, that's he, he said he wasn't going to do that. It's the, the gospel itself, that which is delivered, is the power of God unto salvation, and it's by preaching that God decides to save them that believe. So if you if you say that what well, Tony Brewer thinks that the Holy Spirit doesn't work in the world today at all through except through the Word, then that's a misrepresentation of what I teach. So again, I'm this I guess this is an admonition for all of us to really listen. I mean, really listen to what's being said and make sure that you might sit with it just a little bit, especially if you disagree with it. I remember I heard a sermon by Dan Winkler. Uh, I think this was 2014 at the Memphis School of Preaching Lectureships in which he explained about the spiritual wickedness in high places and these battles. Like, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against. And there are several things that are listed. And the way he explained that my knee-jerk reaction is, I don't believe him. And guess what? I went and talked to one of my other teachers, and I said, hey, did you listen to what? I, the only reason I'm asking you about it is because Brother Winkler's gone, and I mean, I couldn't ask him after the lecture. I just wanted to talk to him about it, but it wasn't the time. But you're my teacher, and I trust you to take this in the spirit in which it's delivered. Did you hear what he said? He said, I did. I said, what do you think about it? And he, and he kind of puts up his hands like this. What do you do? It's Dan Winkler. I'm like, oh, yeah, so that that man trusted Dan Winkler, and I don't know if whether or not my teacher agreed with him, but I do know he was chewing on it if he didn't agree with him, but he didn't let me know that. He just trusted Dan Winkler as a Bible expositor. Well, guess what? I chewed on it, and I no longer disagree. I think Dan Winkler taught it exactly the way it needed to be taught. Greg James says, some are confused with receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit at baptism. I came in late, and you might have mentioned it. Yes, yeah, so um, not to get into a deep-dive subject uh, at the very end of the podcast, but I, I do not believe that anybody today, quote-unquote, receives the Holy Spirit ever. I believe that once you are baptized, you are added to the body where the Holy Spirit dwells. Okay? I don't know if I need to say any more about that at all because we could be on here another two hours. The gift of the Holy Ghost from my studies is not the Holy Spirit entering into your body once you're baptized. The gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is the prophesied outpouring of power because grammatically that's what's stated in Acts chapter 2. We might as well just go there. Let me, let me. All right, Acts chapter 2, let me see, maybe 16. Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before the mouth of David. Never mind, that's Acts chapter 1. 
Acts chapter 2, 16. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes Joel chapter 2. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit. Now, in the Hebrew, it just says I will pour out my spirit. But there is an untranslated expression that denotes an object. And I know I'm getting kind of highbrow. But, for instance, I've got, anyway, look at this, by the way. This is a Tim Hortons mug, and it it does pretty good, and I like using this. All right, I am going to pour out my mug on the table. Well, what am I pouring out? Am I pouring out my mug or the contents of my mug? Well, of course I'm pouring out the contents of my mug. That's that untranslated, unspoken um, expression, or or that, that unspoken article that denotes an object. Well, God is going to pour out his spirit. Well, what is he pouring out? Is he literally pouring out his spirit, or is he pouring out of his spirit? And incidentally, that Greek word that's in this text in Acts chapter 2 is the preposition apo, which means out and away from. So he is pouring out and away from his spirit. Well, grammatically, you have to conclude that it's not the Spirit itself or Himself that's being poured out, that it's something that's being poured out and away from the Spirit. Now, I'm going to put my marker right here in Acts 2. Let's lick our finger and turn left to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 24, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I'll get it in a minute. I promise I've read this book before. All right, Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. All right. Well, what happened on the day of Pentecost that caused the apostles and subsequent convert Christian converts to be endued Clothed in, by the way, power. Well, God had to pour that power out. There was a shaking, a noise as of a rushing mighty wind. Cloven tongues like as a fire came down and rested on the heads of the apostles. And they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then Peter explained what was going on like this. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Out of should be there as well. The, the Greek word apos in that manuscript. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. And then Peter preached a humdinger. Peter preached a humdinger of a gospel sermon. And guess what? Those people who were baptized into Christ were baptized and added to the church, Ephesians 2, 
21 and 22, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And then they shared in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. They were able to keep the, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. One spirit. I I quoted that wrong, didn't I? (laughs) There's one spirit. It's the same spirit that flows all through us. And when you're added to that body, that's when you become in fellowship through the spirit. And how is that? It's because you do the things that the spirit tells you to do And the way the Spirit tells you to do them is through the Word. Now, think about what just was said and and be cognizant of what you're hearing. Because many people, when I teach this, they hear that I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. So, I think we ought to bring this to a close. Thank you so much, Greg James. And I hope I didn't belabor the point too long. But... There, I think, I think Alan Webster wrote a pamphlet about how to hear a sermon or how to listen to a sermon. I've done a podcast about how to hear a sermon. If you trust the teacher, if you trust the teacher, give him a pass and sit with what he teaches and assume that he's correct and go from that platform. Don't listen to something and assume the man or woman is wrong and then go from that platform because you're going, well, I'll tell you what, there's a proverb in Proverbs 18, the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. That's Proverbs 18, 17. Well, guess what? You're going to have bias towards what you hear first. So if you've heard one person say something that you've never heard, or that you, that you, if you hear one person say something and you assimilate that information, and you hear another person say something that's contrary to that, you're going to be biased towards that which you hear first. That's, that's part of the double-edged sword of cognitive dissonance, selective perception, and selective exposure. So what's the what's the remedy? Just be honest. Don't be so open-minded your brain falls out that you believe anything that comes along wrapped in a shiny package. In other words, don't be naive, but don't be so cynical that you're you preclude yourself from learning anything new. And that's all I've got. That that that's the situation or that's the situation. That's the conclusion. All right, I hope that I have said something in this podcast that has wrinkled your brain. I hope I've encouraged you. You certainly have encouraged me, and I thank you so much for that. And I hope you will continue to listen to these podcasts. And if you don't normally catch my live stream, if you would please go follow the Cogitations Facebook page and invite your friends to it. And subscribe to my Cogitations podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. Folks, 
that's all I've got. God, oh, good to see you, uh, Beth Daringwater. Thank you so much for the comment. All right. God bless y'all. Thank you, Greg James, and thank you, Bridget, and uh, Katie, and Deborah. Thank you so much for your comments. And uh, this has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, and we'll catch you on the flip side.